0: On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker.
1: EFL Fan Network, on TalkSport 2.
2: Welcome to the Fan Network show on TalkSport 2, a brand new show for all of you fans who love your EFL football. I'm your host, Justin Beattie, and every week I'll be discussing all of the biggest talking points, news and views, from around the Football League with the most important people, you, the fans. TalkSport has created a home for club-dedicated podcasts, the TalkSport Fan Network. These are podcasts made by the fans for the fans so that every supporter can hear about the latest stories from their club. These podcast hosts will join me each week and discuss the biggest stories from their club. This evening, we'll discuss Ipswich's incredible late win over Rotherham as they are firmly back in the automatic promotion race. Rich Woodward from the Blue Monday podcast will join us. We'll also hear all about Preston North End's chances of reaching the playoffs as George Hodgson from Preston North End Weekly reflects on their five-game unbeaten run. We'll also speak with Chris Chapman from That's Millwall Podcast as head coach Joe Edwards is sacked and Neil Harris is back to replace him. We'll see how that appointment has gone down with the fan base. Finally, we'll dive into League One and discuss Peterborough's chances of promotion. They also booked their place in the EFL Trophy Final this week after beating Blackpool, so a day out at Wembley awaits. Tim Studley from the Yellow Block Podcast joins us later on. Lots to go through over the next hour, this is the EFL Fan Network right here on TalkSport2. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. I'm Justin Beatty. Glad to have you with us over the next hour. We start with Ipswich's push for automatic promotion and a crazy game this week against Rotherham where Omari Hutchinson's 95th minute winner took the points as the Tractor Boys climbed to third over Southampton. Many had written them off already in the race for automatic promotion, but should they now be feared? What does Rich Woodward of the Blue Monday podcast make of their chances? Let's find out as he joins us now. Rich, what a crazy game this week against Rotherham. What did you Make of it? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I can't remember too many like that at Portman Road. Certainly under, under Kieran McKenna, where we generally have things under control. I mean, first off, you have to give huge respect to Rotherham. Um, really difficult season for them. Um, and they they brought their game direct. You know, Eves and Hoogle up front, and they were properly socketed to our back line. And, you know, when when a guy called Cafu scores a Penenka against you, you kind of think, wow, it's, it's going to be one of those nights. But, you know, this team's got great character. You know, Amari Hutchinson has properly dragged us over the line there and come up in you know another late goal that's it's massive for us and you know we'll talk about I'm sure about the promotion race and how significant turning that one point into 3 has been um, but I think just give credit to Rodham. First time they scored, I think, three goals in a league game this season and still not enough to get a point. So you have to be really sympathetic for them. But I really love us to just win 1-0 for the rest of the season, Justin, if I'm honest, if I, if, if <laughs> what sure. I experienced on uh, yeah. on Wednesday or Tuesday night isn't anything to go by.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Amari Hutchinson. How big an impact has he had on the team since his loan move? Uh, one, of our, one of our pod team, Mikey, uh,
3: has named him Amari Clutchinson for... Uh, the last couple of home matches he's he's rocked up in the uh in injury time and scored a really important goal. And and interesting, like two very similar goals, um, kind of left footers from just inside the area. And yeah, I mean, he he's not featured throughout the season. He's kind of come in at moments. There's there's a key moment at Southampton away where he scored the you know, the winning goal in that one. Um, and probably given his young age, he's only 20, you know, consistency is gonna be a challenge. But um when he's when he's contributing those kind of important goals when he's got that that threat of pace as well the the flexibility of being able to play wide or in a 10 that's really useful for for Kira McKenna and yeah look, he's not been playing every single match but you can see he's got the talent and it, we've kind of got starters and finishers in our squad and he's generally been a finisher and you know if you're 60 70 minutes in and, and keeping Ipswich Town at bay and then McKenna brings on the likes of Sami and Hutchinson. You, you, I'm sure your defender back line will be bricking it a bit. So, yeah, he's <laughs> got a bit, really big role to play for us. And if he keeps rocking up with these goals, I mean, again, Justin, it'd be great to not have to win the match or equalise in the in the 90th minute. Um, but if we're going to do that, then we've got the man to do it.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Ipswich have climbed above Southampton to third in the table. Were you expecting the Saints to slip up?
3: Not really. I like, a lot of people I watched there win at West Brom lot of mitigating circumstances there with Corbrand's red card, but they are a machine, aren't they? Relentless. But now it's kind of two defeats out of three, isn't it, I think? Mm-hmm. And, and great win for Hull, who are doing us a favour and keeping them lot up the road out of the top six as well. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a, such a strange thing isn't it because last this time last year valentine's valentine's day last year we drew nil nil at bristol rovers and we were fourth and then went on this amazing run and overtook sheffield wednesday who'd been on a similarly just staggering unbeaten run and we'll, and and therefore we've it's, it's weird that we've kind of got this history this recent history and experience of of knowing that the season's going to have ups and downs teams that look unbeatable might come unstuck and we also knew and i think we've we've spoken about it on, on here how we knew that there was going to be a rough patch over Christmas, fixtures difficult, some key players absent, and then the fixtures get, you know, more friendly. And ignoring the context behind the Rotherham win, we've been really effective at, at Swansea um, and at Millwall and are now three out of three and on a on a real run. So you know, next up, keeping fingers
2: crossed you for a blip, hopefully Leeds. <laughs> well, it felt like many had written off Ipswich in a promotion chase, but now level on points with second place Leeds. Were people too quick to judge? Do you think? I
3: think it's it's natural. I mean, obviously, uh, town fans, we've got mass, we've been massively triggered <laughs> throughout the whole season. The teams not giving us due credit, but it's obvious why, because you know, there's there's four teams that need to fit into two places essentially, and and three of those four have got parachute money and uh, you know ridiculous squads in comparison. So it's it's only natural that pundits who maybe don't who maybe don't know our history as well or, or recent recent history at least uh, yeah. are going to kind of favour those teams, but. I guess from, from our perspective, how things are playing out is kind of how we'd anticipated. You know, we talk about Southampton Leeds and and our own and our own run um and our own history. We kind of knew that things might change. You hope, I guess, that teams are going to drop points, which they have. I mentioned Leeds is a big game for them on Friday, isn't it? And you know, Leicester aren't necessarily beyond catching at this point as well. It's really exciting. I guess just as a kind of a football purist, it's a bit of an indictment on the parachute system, I guess, isn't it? That you've got Leicester Leeds and Southampton, these first year parachute teams who are, you know, make it up three of those four spots. And thank goodness for us. Thank goodness for Hull, for Coventry as well, for making it interesting, because otherwise it'd be a pretty, you know, mundane season. But you know, got four teams, including us, um, and we're delirious about that. Who are just going on an, a staggering run? So, um, yeah, let's hope it lasts. Say, eh? it would be great to go into that last game of the season with Leeds and Southampton having to play each other.
2: Are Ipswich under um any pressure to be promoted now, considering how well they've done so far this season? That's a great question.
3: Yeah, I, I, I the expectation I think is that we're still punching well above our weight. Clearly, at the start of the season. There's no expectation, there's hope, there's belief that something might be possible and you might linger outside the playoffs and maybe make a run for those and maybe squeak in and do a kind of a Sunderland. But we're there now, we're there on merit. We talked before about there's there's a sample now of, of results and performances that mean that it's not a fluke anymore. And um, we've had that kind of regression back to expected form, having started so well alongside Leicester. Um, and now the friendly games of kind of the friendlier fixtures i should say um are now giving us a chance to get back into it so look, long way to go but i wouldn't take anything off the table at this point um you know we've got owners that are ambitious but probably never anticipated this so if we if we get that opportunity for automatic if we can stick stick in there and you know nip in um fantastic but you know, playoffs is a fantastic achievement for this team. And, you know, the, the key thing is, is if it doesn't happen, um, that we go again. And um, we've spoken about McKenna, that, you know, there's some crown jewels that may have to leave to to bankroll another promotion push. But what a great position we put ourselves in,
2: both this season and potentially next. So this must feel a bit like a fairy tale amongst the fan base, right? A bit sort of unreal, do you think? I
3: just can't believe it. Just like every week, like even even Tuesday night where, you know, it like it's three or it's like we're back in league one all over again you know like one of those games where you've i mean we, we didn't play particularly well if we're honest tuesday night but we've seen those kind of games before those low blocks those teams bombarding us trying to bully us and you kind of think oh man it's back to the dark days of, of league one and then uh, up up samari Hutchinson as we said and you know that's just been typical of these, these games this season, you know, Leicester away, you know, everyone wrote us off, including the pundits at that point, really poor form. And then Samiento scores that goal. There's been so many of those really exciting, really great moments. And look, we're just loving it. We, as I said last time, we're enjoying the ride. Mm. Whatever happens this season, we've got so much to be proud about. And you know, as a fan base and that, Lots of similar fan bases out there have had 10, 20 years of just utter misery and probably quite a few going through it at the moment. When you do, you kind of appreciate these moments even more. And if it ends in promotion, like that would just be unbelievable. Um, Top six, fantastic. Um, But we're in such a strong position in comparison to where we were 5, 10, 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the thing. So you mentioned Kieran McKenna uh, a moment ago. What Ipswich have been able to achieve so far this season? Could it have been done with any other managers or is this down to him?
3: I mean, you have to say that He's a, he's a massive contributing factor. I mean, last time last time I spoke to you, Justin, I I got triggered by a question about can you hold on to him, and fortunately, Crystal Palace <laughs> have sorted themselves out in the short term, yeah. so we don't have to worry so much. Yeah. But yeah, he I think it would be it'd be silly to ignore how much of a critical factor the on-field success is down to him and his team. He's got a great backroom team, but I think it's kind of I've described it before as kind of a lightning in a bottle kind of situation, and I think it's kind of mutually beneficial as well you know this is his first managerial job the expectations were reasonably high but we'd had real struggles getting out of league 1 so he's had you know a really supportive ownership group a pretty patient fan base that who are also bought into his style of play that have given him time to to figure stuff out and learn on the job and let's not forget he's been backed in the transfer market as well you know last january i talked about this time last year this time last january we brought in Massimo Longa, Harry Clark, Nathan Broadhead, and George Hurst. And not many League One teams were getting that level of support. No. This time around, we brought in Lewis Travis, Sarmiento, Ali Al Hamadi, and and Kiefer Moore. And again, probably one of the better windows of any championship team, certainly the top ten that I can think of. So look, I think there's Definitely an acknowledgement that he is a really astute, really smart coach. We're really lucky to have him. But it does kind of feel like there's a lot of mutual benefit here. Um, And look, we've got statues of Sir Bobby Robson and Sir Ralph Ramsey outside our ground. Two of the stands are named after them as well. If things stay on their current course, McKenna sticks around. We get those promotions. Who's to say there's not a third statue at some point in the future, Justin? Wow. But look, wow. oh, that's a real pivot from my last answer to you, wasn't it? it? Is. But, yeah, but, yeah. but that's the hope, isn't it? That's as football fans, that's the kind of stuff that we dream of and believe of. Um, yeah. But look, we know the the summer. If we don't go up, could be could be challenging. But there's a lot. There's a lot of pros and cons on both sides. I think you know we're we're good for Kieran McKenna as well, but. Yeah, look, in terms of ranking coaches, he's got to be up there in in this country, isn't he?
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So if Ipswich aren't to achieve automatic promotion, but head into the playoffs, can you see them being successful or do you think it will prove too much for them, this team, uh, this season?
3: Yeah, another great question. It depends who we get, I think. Uh, Leeds scare me a little bit. We've been beaten by them twice. Um, They've knocked eight past us um, in the two matches we've played. So I'm not sure I'd be keen to face them, but... I mentioned, we've talked about McKenna. The, the great thing about McKenna is, you know, if there are setbacks, he learns from them. And I think he'd be prepared for it this time around. Similar to West Brom, we were absolutely schooled by West Brom at the Hawthorns in, in, in and I think it was November time, and then should have beaten them this time around, you know, in the, in the two or a few weeks back. So look, if McKenna has that ad- adversity, he learns from it and is prepared for it, but play a football so different and he's not been used to that maybe. So how do you deal with that? Another thing, I guess, in our favor, George Hurst expected to be back in April, and suddenly then you've got an abundance of riches up front and different, you know, challenges and and threats to chuck at playoff teams. The the big problem I've got, Justin, is if um, if them lot up the road sneak in, uh, doesn't bear thinking about. We've already oh. suffered some playoff heartache against them lot in fourteen fifteen. <laughs> I'd hate yeah. to hate for that to repeat itself.
2: Yeah, yeah, you don't want that, you don't want that. So very quickly, mate, just remind people where um, they can find your podcast.
3: Yeah, I'd love to say you, you can just Google Blue Monday on, uh, and, and then you'll find us. But sadly, uh, New Order got there first. and <laughs> They did. <laughs> um, so uh, Blue monday itfc.co.uk, we've got a website with all of our pod feeds linked to um, YouTube, etc. And, you know, we're live two to three times a week. And we've got our pre-match actually tonight uh, where we'll be looking ahead to Birmingham. And, and we try to be even-handed, fairly balanced about our insight. Um, we try, you know, obviously it's, it's Ipswich Town fans, um, so we're going to be focusing on, on us. But generally, where we talk about the opposition, we try to be balanced. And so hopefully, there's plenty of stuff there for fans of any club, really. But yeah, Blue Monday, ITFC.co.uk, and in the usual places, YouTube, podcast, and social media.
2: Rich, thank you very much once again for coming on the EFL Fan Network. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is the EFL Fan Network on Talksport Two. Next up, we'll hear all about Preston North End's push for a playoff spot. As contributor to Preston North End Weekly, George Hodgson joins us. That's coming up after the break, right here on Talksport Two on DAB Plus,
0: online via the Talksport
2: app, and
0: on your smart speaker. EFL
1: Fan Network on Talksport Two.
2: Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on Talksport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. Plenty still to come as we hear about Millwall's sacking of Joe Edwards. Do the fans agree? We'll find out a bit later on. But first, let's talk about the Championship playoff race and specifically Preston North End. They sit ninth in the table, and after a spell of five games unbeaten in the league, they are now only five points off the playoff spots ahead of facing fellow contenders, Coventry City, tomorrow. Let's get the thoughts of Preston North End reporter for the Lancashire Post and contributor to Preston North End Weekly, George Hodgson, who joins us now. Welcome, George. It was a phenomenal start to the season for Preston and Ryan Lowe. What was going so right?
4: Very, very clinical in the final third, I think. I think Ryan Lowe would admit that, you know, performances weren't outstanding you weren't thinking wow this is the best football you've ever seen but there was a kind of organisation to Preston and Will Keane was scoring goals brought in in the summer and it was funny because there was a few injuries and Ryan Lowe didn't have many options at all really every week but the same players were going again and again and just getting the job done I think they won four games 2-1 so they just managed to get that kind of winning run going together and they weren't creating loads, really, but just taking chances and yeah, we will come on to it. But they rediscovered that in recent weeks. Yeah,
2: there was a dip in form, even to the point where people questioned Ryan Lowe's position at the club. Why were the team struggling?
4: Yeah, um, started to concede goals, really. Um, the team was changing a lot every week. I wouldn't say there was an abnormal amount of injuries or anything like that. I think, yeah, the performances just weren't, weren't particularly good I think fans were getting a little bit bored I think people get caught up on identity don't they? in this this day and age and you weren't really sure what Preston's was you were kind of turning up not sure what you were going to see Um, and then as they were falling on the right side of the margins at the start of the season they were just kind of yeah they lost a lot of games 1-0 and by the odd goal and stuff and yeah it wasn't the best to watch so frustration crept in and yeah, thankfully, managed to find a formula now that's working again. But you were kind of wondering what else is there left for Ryan Lowe to try, really, because it's kind of his second full season yeah. coming up to two and a half years. So you were thinking, right, you need you need to find something now. And he's, he has managed to do that.
2: So now five games unbeaten, do you feel the team have their confidence back and could continue this run?
4: Yeah, I think Preston look a lot better now. He's gone to a 3-4-1-2. Some are signing Mads Frockyards in the in the kind of number ten position. Emil Reese is back up front, forming a really nice strike partnership with Will Keane. and there just looks suddenly a lot of quality and, and experience in Preston's ranks. And you're going into every game thinking, well, if if these guys perform, they'll, they'll, they're a match for anyone. Which I think that's all any supporter wants: turn up on a Saturday or a Tuesday and think, yeah, we've got a good chance here if we if we turn up. So. Yeah I think there's there's a lot of positivity back around. Um Ryan Lowe might have a bit of convincing still to do but certainly the mood has improved around the club and yeah which is all you ever want.
2: How impressed have you been with Ryan Lowe's tenure at the club since his appointment back in 21?
4: It's been really up and down to be honest. Uh he came in and Preston were a bit stale as a club and he's big he's a big uh, personality and with his charisma he gave everybody a lift and they got Cameron Archer on loan from Aston Villa, who was absolutely unbelievable up front. And then that second half of the season was really positive. And you were heading into the the season after that, thinking, right, come on, what can we, what could we do here? And last season was there was a lot of boring games and the odd good moments in derbies and things, but it was very inconsistent. Managed to finish mid table, and then yeah, this this season's been a bit of a similar story, really. You know, starting really well. Then right down there, I think they won 3-19, picked up 16 points from 57. And he managed to survive a really tough period over the over the festive period. And, and now he's kind of on an upward curve again. But you're just kind of searching for that level of consistency, I think.
2: So should Preston fans expect to finish in the playoff places?
4: No, I don't think so. But just to be in and around there is, is more than anyone would have thought a month or two ago. So... I think obviously Southampton could have done Preston a favour last night by beating Hull, but obviously they've they've gone there and won, which is a great result. And the five points, I think, clear of Preston now. So I do think that sixth spot is up for grabs, really. I would expect West Brom to finish fifth. Um, so if Preston can the Preston play Hull in a couple of weeks, so if they can stay in and around it three or four points, then they've obviously got a chance. But might be a little too too much too late from Preston, but um if they can go into the final five with a chance then everybody would have took that.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so North End have always been a team in and around the playoff places but have always fallen slightly short. What do they need to get them over that hurdle?
4: Yeah, it's tough obviously Preston haven't've never been in the Premier League a lot of fans had said they're the biggest club to never do so. They're up against massive budgets. You see the teams coming down these days. I think it's 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 getting tougher and tougher for clubs like Preston. You know, Leicester, Leeds and Southampton are extremely strong. Um, and it wouldn't be a surprise if those three went up. But then you see the likes of Luton. You see Ipswich this season. I know they're more wealthy than, than a Luton. But I think you're seeing in this day and age, if you can get everything right off the club and a real kind of Everybody moving in the same direction to the same plan, whatever that looks like, then you can give yourself a chance. So, Preston have been quite clever with some of the recruitment this season, looking overseas, looking in the free agent market. They've signed some good players on loan during Ryan Lowe's tenure. So, it's just kind of getting the right blend of all that. Um, and if, yeah, if you can get a team that's kind of not making too many changes every week and then everything off the pitch is right as well, then. You, you can go far, I think, in the Championship if you can harness that togetherness. So, yeah, that's a long-worded answer, but no,
2: hopefully, no,
4: give it, hopefully it... giving it a picture there of what you've got to try and strive to do for a club like Preston, because they're never going to go and spend 10 million quid on a striker, and he's going to score 25 goals. So you've got to try and work smart.
2: So, yeah, so, so on that then, the Preston hierarchy, do they deserve more credit for getting the club to challenge every season with a lower budget compared to other clubs?
4: Oh, yeah, I think there is... A few years ago, there was a bit of frustration at why are we not putting more money in and stuff. And But I think over time, you've seen some, some other clubs in real disarray and Preston fans will never have to worry about that. So I think there is real respect for the Hemmings family. Obviously, Trevor Hemmings, his son, Craig, has taken over and kept the club going um, during, obviously, through COVID and beyond. And I think for Preston, they probably need to try and get back selling players. They had a few... Uh, sold for big money like Callum Robinson and Jordan Hugel but that's but been about five years ago now. If you mm. can sell someone every one or two years, then that gives you a massive boost financially. I think the Hemmings family put 12 million quid in of their own money a year, which isn't to be sniffed at. It's a hell of a lot of money. So, yeah, I think they, they do deserve all the credit and that comes their way and I think they do get it, really. So
2: Preston face Coventry tomorrow, a fellow playoff contender. How big a game is this?
4: Huge game. <laughs> massive game all of a sudden. Coventry are on a, a good run of form. I think they've lost one in 14. So this is a tough game for North End, but they're going there in decent nick themselves. I don't think a point would be a bad result. I think they're two points behind Coventry. So you just you just can't afford to fall too far away from the likes of Hull and Coventry. You've just got to stay in and around that sixth, gate, sixth spot. So yeah, this is, this is a massive game and actually a chance for Preston, who've improved in the last two or three weeks to step up and show everybody, you know, we're here to kind of stick around for the, for the rest of the season because I think there is a real determination not to let the season fizzle out because that just gets boring for everybody, doesn't it? Going into dead rubber games. So, yeah, the squad should be absolutely right up for this one.
2: So finally then, the all-important question, will Preston make the playoffs come the end of the season?
4: I'll go for no, but um yeah, just good to <laughs> just good to have a bit of optimism and positivity around the club because it was extremely negative a couple of couple of months ago. Um, to the point where Peter Ridsdale and Craig Hemmings had to release a joint statement pretty much saying we're not sacking right and low. So that's that's the kind of severity it was at. So but I think it's a big effort to to get into that top six. So probably just miss out, but then going to next season and try and build on it
2: you're a contributor to the preston north end weekly podcast uh tell us a little bit about the podcast where it can be found etc
4: oh yeah all the all platforms really spotify apple uh google podcasts as well acast um we share it on twitter so pnefc post it tends to get posted on there it's me and my friend adam salisbury who does a bit of writing as well and we talk enough about Preston, for it to be called a Preston podcast, but plenty of other stuff as well. Don't take it too seriously, but yeah, discuss everything around the club, really. Uh, That's out after every match. So yeah, go check it out.
2: Excellent. George, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Up next, we'll be talking about Joe Edwards sacking at Millwall. Neil Harris has returned to the club after leaving Cambridge United, but how has that appointment gone down with the fans? Chris Chapman from that Millwall podcast joins us very shortly. Stay with us right here on TalkSport 2.
0: On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network,
1: on TalkSport 2.
2: Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beattie. Shortly, we'll be discussing Peterborough United heading to Wembley as they booked their place in the EFL Trophy Final. But first, let's stay in the Championship and discuss Joe Edwards second at Millwall. The club sit one point above the relegation zone and after a run of seven defeats in eight games, Edwards was dismissed, with Millwall legend Neil Harris returning to the club to replace him. Harris is the club's all-time goalscorer and previously managed the club for a four-year spell, but he now returns to oversee a real fight for championship survival. But how has this appointment gone down with the fans? Chris Chapman from That Millwall Podcast joins us now to give us his thoughts. Chris, let's start by getting your reaction to yesterday's news. Were you at all surprised that Joe Edwards was sacked? No. No. Quite frankly.
0: <laughs>
2: um, no, I wasn't
0: I wasn't surprised. Um, I did feel for him a bit, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but I think you can't argue with the facts, and the facts are that if we continued on the trajectory we were on, we were only going one way. One point in from a possible 21, three goals in our last seven games, it, it just hasn't really been good enough. And it's been odd because at times, we played some of the best football I've seen down there in years. I, I recall the Coventry and Borough games where if we'd have just got that second goal, things could have worked out very differently. Yeah. But on the whole, it was just only going one way. And um, whilst we did see some improvement on the eye test, I think factually it was probably only about 10-15% of the time. We only kind of got it in spurts. So I feel for him, um, but I think... The loss against Sheffield Wentz at home was the
2: final straw for Joe. What ultimately went wrong for him, would you say? I think
0: a lack of experience on his side. I do think there is something fundamentally at the club in which we were trying to have a real drastic change of playing style. And that kind of, and and, and let's be honest, with a group of players we've got, that change in playing style was very vast. And you've got to manage that carefully from top to bottom. And I I don't think we've done that. And I think the club have learned their lesson that actually the players are clearly not ready or able to, uh, to make that transition. So I think that's got a big part part to play. And then I think where his experience comes in is ultimately we do find ourselves in a relegation battle that probably the club didn't think we would be when they appointed him Mm. and he doesn't have said experience to get us out of it. And uh, they've then turned their attentions to someone that they think can. Did he manage to get the fans on side during his tenure? In glimpses, in glimpses he did, because he was a stark contrast. His style of football was a stark contrast to to Rowett, and you know, and when we look at the, the facts in terms of the amount of passes we would make, the chances we would create, um, the you know the fact that we were just less direct, I think fans initially welcomed that. Right. And it was something that we wanted to see. We wanted to see our team play more fun, exciting football. But ultimately, that's not the detriment of going down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think fans quite quickly started to lose patience with that because, as I said, one point from a possible 21 in the last seven is, is just not good enough. And I think it was starting to turn sour with the losses at home to Ipswich and, and Sheffield Wednesday.
2: Yeah. So do you think he deserved more time? Or or were Millwall sleepwalking towards relegation with him in charge? My personal view is,
0: and I've I've heard this quoted a number of times, and um I'm regurgitating as my own own, is that I think he was possibly the right manager or head coach or whatever you want to call it, but wrong time. Mm. I think that a, a, a transition that we need to that we needed to make, and I hope we still do long term, by the way, can't be done in one transfer window. Um however we were sleepwalking our way to relegation. And at this stage of the season, you can't change the playing squad. You can only change the the manager. So ultimately, I think he, he he had to go in that regard. And as I said, I feel for him because uh, I think he'll take a lot of learnings from this experience. But um, ultimately, we have to keep this football club in the championship. And that's what I think the, the board are trying to do with uh, Mr. Harris's appointment.
2: Well, on White and Jordan over on Talk Sport after the news of Joe Edwards' departure, Simon Jordan felt the decision had to be made otherwise Millwall were heading towards relegation. Well, they're going to get relegated if they don't change something. You know, you don't lose to Sheffield Wednesday and QPR, two teams beneath you in the last five games, and think you're on a direction of travel. You don't take four points from the last eight games and so think man. there's something in this for you. Whether whether there was some innovation in their thinking, there was a lack of experience and understanding from the kid that was managing the side. Hmm. And that's taken them from a side that were okay with Gary Rowett. They were doing okay. He did well with them. Yeah. To a side that's now really in serious jeopardy of getting relegated. And if they didn't change it now... You know, with Southampton coming up next, okay, Southampton have lost a few games in the last, or lost the last two games, but I would be surprised if they lose three in a row, especially when they're playing at home. So you look at Millwall and say they could be in the bottom three by the end of the weekend. And if you're getting beat by Sheffield Wednesday, um, and QPR, two sides beneath you, in recent weeks, then you're in trouble. That was Simon Jordan giving his thoughts on Joe Edwards' departure. You can listen to Simon alongside Jim White on White & Jordan, which is over on TalkSport weekdays from 10am. So Neil Harris returns to the den. Were you surprised to see him return? (laughs) Yes, I was. Um, And uh, yeah, I didn't think... uh, I'd, I'd done a
0: show recently and I talked through possible candidates of if Joe Edwards was to be... to to, to be sacked or to be moved on and and Neil Harris was not a name I came up with so I was surprised and I think it's fair to say that his appointment has split the fan base I think there's no question that there's a lot of love for the man but a lot of people are considering it a bit of a backward step and no real progress in theory from when he left us four or five years ago however that's that's on the club not him I think the biggest issue that fans have is it really felt that the Edwards appointment was working towards a longer term plan, a plan that was more built around playing a different brand of football, a plan that was built around bringing more youth through and being able to create more saleable assets. And all right, that didn't work out. And we're now seeing that unfold, but how does the Harris appointment fit into that? I think that's what the question the fans are asking, because he's got an 18 month contract. So is that kind of long-term plan put on hold or is it terminated completely? And I think that's where I guess the, the split fan base is, is, ultimately only being derived from.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about a a split fan base from what I've seen on social media, a few Millwall supporters seem very uninspired with this appointment. Is that fair to say?
0: Yes, I I would, I would say it is split genuinely. And and I think um, I I do get the, the reservations behind it. I really do. Um, But let's just make sure we're really clear on what Neil Harris is. Neil Harris is the one man that personally I would trust to give absolutely everything to keep this club in a division, right. which is paramount. And a lot of people are talking about, oh, but at the end of the season, what happens then? He's got an eight month contract. Well, we shouldn't be worrying about that. We should only be worrying about staying in this league. We've lacked fight, aggression and structure, and he's going to bring all of those. He is a motivator first and foremost, and his passion is clear from his announcement video. And I think personally, that the quality is there in the team to keep us up playing a certain way. And I think Harris can give us that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So is there a real concern of relegation now, especially after the defeat to Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend?
0: Definitely. I um, hate to be too pessimistic and maybe Harris will give us a nice bounce, but you don't really have much uh, tougher task than going to Southampton away in your first game. And, you know, assuming we we don't win there, which I think is highly unlikely, but who knows? QPR at home to Rotherham and if they beat them we'll find ourselves in a relegation zone come 5pm on Saturday so mm. yes it is after that we then have 12 cup finals that we need a motivator to get us uh, fit and fire firing and as I said I think Harris is certainly a person that can do that I, I'd I, I would I would ask Millwall fans one simple question, and that is: Do you think Neil Harris has got more of a chance of keeping us in the championship than Joe Edwards? And, and my answer to that is yes.
2: So uh, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, what what you do, and uh, where where people can find it. Yeah, so um, uh, there's there's a few of us that that run a podcast called That Millwall
0: Podcast. Can be found on Twitter at That Millwall Pod. Um, we have uh, two live shows a week on a Friday and Sunday where we kind of bookend the game, look forward to the game and then reflect, reflect on it. Um, and then uh, I also do a, um, a post-match review show, uh, usually on Sunday mornings called Chat with Chaps, um, where we kind of go in a bit more detailed analysis analysis on the specific game. So, yeah, quite a lot of content from us
2: There's uh, a few boys involved um, and it's, it's, it's good fun. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Coming up, we'll dive into League One as Peterborough United booked their place in the EFL Trophy Final and a day out at Wembley to come after a comprehensive win over Blackpool. Tim Studley from the Yellow Block Podcast joins us to react to that result and give us his thoughts on Posh's season so far coming up next here on TalkSport 2. On DAB Plus,
0: online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. BFL Fan Network, on TalkSport 2.
2: Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beattie. It's time now for us to head into League One and discuss Peterborough United's hopes of promotion. Formers stuttered in recent weeks, which means the playoffs look likely for the posh and not automatic promotion they do however have a date booked for Wembley Stadium as they'll take on Wickham in the EFL Trophy Final in April it's always special for EFL sides to play at the National Stadium so let's now hear from Tim Studley of the Yellow Block podcast to see how the supporters are feeling so Tim the posh are heading to Wembley it was quite the emphatic win over Blackpool in the semi-final wasn't it
1: it was a great performance. And to be fair, having had uh, sort of four defeats back to back in the league, it was, uh, it was certainly nice to get back to, uh, to winning ways. We looked good. Um, yeah, it was expansive. It was attacking. It was open. It was the, the posh of a few months ago. So um, booked ourselves a Wembley trip in style, should we say.
2: So an EFL trophy final, a day out at Wembley. How special are those moments for a
4: supporter?
1: I think as a League One club, they're the kind of days that you have to, to savour, right? Um, you know, yes, you get your you playoff finals potentially, but for us, it's, uh, it's it's something to look forward to. If we're completely honest, it's a tournament that for most fans, they don't really care about until they make it to those latter couple of stages. So, um, yeah, suddenly we all care about it and everybody's keen to get tickets booked. But, I mean, it's it's about creating memories, I suppose. We, we won the tournament uh, 10 years ago at Wembley. And it's a day that most of us still remember really fondly. So, yeah, it's great. And, and obviously, since then, we've got, uh, you know, a lot of younger fans that have come through. The, the management have been doing some great work um, to try and get younger fans through. So for them, for most of them, this will be their first trip to Wembley. Um, and hopefully it will cement that that kind of next generation of fans. And and that's a lot of pressure on one game, but that's the the power of Wembley, I think. It should be uh, yeah, it should be a great outing.
2: Yeah, oh, definitely. They're, they're great days for sure. Let's move on now to talk about Posh's league form. Uh, nice. They sit in the playoff places in League One, but recent form has been a real concern. Can you put a finger on why the team has struggled of late?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we looked absolutely fantastic up until, well, the January transfer window, really. Um, a little bit of, of maybe mismanagement during the january transfer window has, has left us weaker than than how we entered it um we we lost our our right back to to Rotherham. peter kyoso was recalled by, um, by Rotherham, which meant we had you no know, right back unfortunately we didn't replace that position during during january so we we've ended the uh, the month weaker and it reflected on the pitch um straight away we we to go into self-destruct mode uh, for the last four games in the league at least we've been we've been wanting. But hopefully the, the win against Blackpool and, and booking yourself a Wembley spot can can about turn that. Um, Cambridgeshire derby this weekend, I think a win there and suddenly everything suddenly feels good again. Um and hopefully we can just put the last kind of four or five weeks down to a bit of a blip um and move back into, you know, the the form that we were in prior to to to, to January.
2: Darren Ferguson mentioned recently how the team creates so many chances but just struggles to get the ball in the back of the net. Did we maybe see that against Blackpool as that the score could have been 6-0 with how many opportunities the team had?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean our um our xG throughout the season has been consistently one of the best not just in the EFL but but across the, the the country. Um we've been creating so many wonderful opportunities but just failing to to put teams to bed. And I guess we've seen that a little bit over the last the last few weeks with, with our, our dip in form as well. Um, you know, for, for every goal we're scoring, we're needing four or five really good chances. And that that's potentially what's maybe end up gonna costing us that automatic uh, promotion spot that we we looked good for in the early parts of the season. It's unusual for Posh not to score goals. Um, you know, we're a team that's known for scoring loads, but also conceding plenty. Yeah. Uh, this this year has kind of been the opposite way around. We've we've been defensively relatively um, you know, sure-footed, but we we've struggled to put put teams to bed. We've there's been a lot of huffing and puffing. We've got a lot of creative players in the team, but we just lacking that that player that can just you know put put teams to bed. A, a 20 goal a season striker really is probably the missing piece in this squad at the moment.
2: That's what you're missing, like a, a number nine, right?
1: It is. And again, you look at the players that have come through Posh in, in, in the past: Ivan, Tony, Dwight, Gale, Connor, Washington, so on and so forth. We've had some fantastic strikers. Yeah. um it's the one thing that we're missing, probably, you'd argue, know, at the moment, ironically.
2: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Efren Mason Clark. He's signed for Coventry in a January window, but will join them at the end of this season. How big a loss will he be to the team?
1: I think when he goes, he he will be a loss. There, there's no doubt that he's instrumental. Um, but I think we're blessed, certainly in the attacking third, with 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 plenty of good options. We've got Kwame Paku on the on the other side, who um I would potentially argue is maybe more influential than the Mason Clark. I suppose it's difficult because you know you don't really know until a player's gone how much you're, you're going to miss them. But I've no doubt that, that Darren McAntony and, and the scouting team will have the next Mason Clark lined up, ready to go. That, that seems to be what we're we're quite good at. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose that our biggest concern as a fan base, whilst it's great we've got him until the end of the season, is will his head still be in, in the game at Posh or is he already thinking about Coventry? Yeah, um, We need to just hope that hopefully as our, as our form picks up again that he also starts to find find his form because like the entire uh, squad he has struggled
2: over the last few weeks. So how do you see the rest of the league season playing out? Is the only way of promotion the playoffs now?
1: I think so realistically I think Pompey, uh, Derby and Bolton are probably just that step ahead and, and it's almost a shame in a way that one of those three has to miss out on, on automatics but I feel like we we kept we kept pace with them three really effectively up until the the, the transfer window, um, and they've all strengthened in in ways that we haven't. So I, I feel the automatics are beyond us now. I still, it's no guarantee that we'll get get playoffs. Certainly not if our uh, if our form doesn't about turn quite quickly. And there's a lot of teams that are making moves at the moment for those playoffs positions. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be disappointed at this point if we don't make the playoffs, but only because some of the football that we've played this season has been far and above beyond what we've seen at Posh in a long while. I mean, we've had seasons where we've been promoted whilst playing worse football than we are now. So, yeah. uh, and I know there's no there's no kind of um, just rewards in football, but it, it, would be, it would be harsh on this squad if they don't at least uh, achieve the playoffs. Whether, you know, when you get into them, of course, it's a lottery at that point. Yeah. As we found out last year against Sheffield Wednesday, but you know if you they, they at least deserve, I feel to to make the playoffs based purely on the um, the football that they've been playing this season.
2: And then seventh of April at Wembley, Peterborough take on Wickham in an EFL Trophy final is a question for you. Can you see posh? bringing back the trophy? We've never
1: lost at Wembley, so I feel like that's a, oh, a good place oh. to start. <laughs> yeah. If If I'm honest, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that it wasn't Bradford uh, for two reasons, really. One, I feel like Bradford would have bought, well, they would have bought more fans than Wickham, so hopefully it would have created for a, a good atmosphere. And two, we don't ever do well against Wickham, so I feel like we're going into that game maybe on the back foot slightly um my personal preference was was absolutely bradford uh, but i mean this is a young squad that we've got they they will approach this in a way where they won't be daunted they won't be scared um mm-hmm. so they certainly can do it and i i would feel from from a neutral's perspective anyone that's watched both posh and wickham play this season would i would like to think would would have posh down as favorites but it's 90 minutes, isn't it? You just you never know what's going to happen on the day. It takes one poor decision or, or one bit of hot headedness and and who knows. But yeah, I i certainly think we can. But it's by no means a, a shoe in that's for sure.
2: So finally, Yellow Block podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about the podcast, how it came about and where people can find it.
1: Yeah, so we're the um, the Yellow Bot Podcast, as you mentioned. We're a, a Peterborough United uh, podcast uh, named so because in the the uh, old main stand, there's still a tiny section of seats that are yellow, whilst every other seat in the stadium is blue. Uh, nobody at the club has ever been able to explain why that is. It's just one of those things that seems to have carried on through years. Um, so that's where the name comes from. You can find us on all the normal. Uh, all the normal streaming uh, platforms. Um, And we we try to record weekly. Um, We are very much uh, a fan's viewpoint so we, we're certainly not a podcast that necessarily toes the rope of the club we don't necessarily follow the the you know the rhetoric that's coming out of the club we we've, we often go against them we often quite vocal in our criticism of the club and, and the personalities there so it hopefully gives a bit of a more uh level approach to the the club and, and kind of gives that fans that all-round view we've got loads of hosts which means we also have loads of opinions and loads of standpoints as well
2: great stuff tim thank you very much for coming on
1: Hello, as you want to welcome, thank
2: you. A reminder that we have two live and exclusive EFL commentaries right here for you on the TalkSport network this weekend. Our first is tomorrow evening, live over on TalkSport, and what a game it promises to be as Leeds host Leicester, a top of the table clash that gets underway from 8pm tomorrow night. And then on Saturday at 12.30, we have another cracker for you as whole host West Brom. Both teams vying for a playoff spot come the end of the season. That'll be live right here on TalkSport 2. A reminder, you can listen to the Fan Network show every Thursday evening at 5pm here on TalkSport 2, whilst EFL All Access is every Monday evening at 6pm. If you miss any of our shows, you can listen back on the TalkSport app, and we're also available as a podcast, which you can download from your go-to podcast provider. Just search the EFL... All access feed. Coming up next on Talksport 2, it's The Cricket Collective with Neil Manthorpe and Steve Harmison.